<laughs> All right, Stacy, we're back. Stab Cusp, episode something of season two. Uh, we got some big news today. Well, this news is a little bit old, but um, Kelly Slater not going to Australia. First thoughts, what's, what's going on in your mind? Not surprised, but also after reading your article, surprised. So did you want to spell it out for us? Anyone that hasn't had the time to jump online and read your thoughts on the whole Kelly saga? Yeah, sure. So it's not quite as simple as Kelly's just not going to Australia. It's certainly not him taking a stand, I don't think, against the what some would call subpar CT events that have been lined up in lieu of you know the traditional snapper and bells and all that. Uh, the reality is that Kelly is suffering from uh, some injuries, primarily the foot injury that he sustained in South Africa back in 2017. Um, and yeah, I guess it's just been acting up and he, he doesn't feel like he's physically well enough to compete right now. Um, especially in like little beach break waves, which it seems like it, you know, small waves, you think what's the odds of hurting yourself. But I think that's probably the most painful for like a foot injury where it's so technical, there's so many little ankle movements you need to, you know, fit in tight tight pockets and whatever. So, yeah, basically Kelly is not getting on the WSL flight that, if I'm not mistaken, should be in the air as we're speaking, as, as we are recording right now. Um, probably by the time this goes live, it will already have landed in Sydney. But, um, yeah, as we know, the WSL chartered a flight from L.A. to Sydney, uh, anybody not currently in Australia was meant to be on it, but Kelly decided not to go. Um, and he's going to miss definitely the first two events, being kind of like the New South Wales leg of the Australian tour. And he's hoping to be fit enough to compete in WA. Um, and what Stace was alluding to is kind of a theory that I put out in a story when this came out as news. As much as it would be easy to, you know, throw on the tinfoil cap and say, oh, Kelly's not going for this or that reason. I think if you take a step back, you'd realize that this is probably really, really hard for Kelly not to go because in the grand scheme of things, this might actually be his best chance to win another world title, not just because he's not getting any younger, obviously, but because the way that this season is set up, he's got a third at the first event. It's likely that the most events they'll run this year in the regular season are seven, with a possibility of there only being five. And if there were only five events, obviously every event every event's really important. But on the other hand, he already has a third, which puts him in a really, really strong position to make that top five at the end of the year. And yes, it is top five, Stace. I looked it up. Um, and we are... Uh, yeah, we're basically seeing him having to pull out of two events, which is going to kind of like really hurt his chances of being able to make that top five. Um, so it's a bummer for Kelly. It's a bummer for surf fans. But uh, what are you going to do? You're 49 and, you know, certain body parts are just not going to hold up as well as they used to. It's just a fact of life. So that's where we're at. What are your thoughts, Stace? Um, first of all, anyone who ever listened to this and listened to me say top six, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. I thought it was the top six going to the final series. Turns out it's the top five, so I'll eat my humble pie there. Then, yeah, on the whole Kelly thing, look, there's no doubt that in a regular season, you would stay in America to rehab an injury. Or in his position, I'm assuming he's still in Hawaii. The medical profession over there is is 
I think a lot more advanced than pretty much anywhere else in the world, except maybe Russia. But like quality of life right now in Australia is so high. I'm still surprised that he didn't just get on the plane and then withdraw. Um, but obviously there's a lot more to consider than just that. But I think, you know, on a, on a broader note, the 14 day quarantine is going to be really tough. There's no doubt about that. It, it'll be super challenging. I can barely sit inside for 40 minutes, let alone 14 days. Um, but once everyone's out, you know, we're not wearing masks here. Um, you can get up and down and go surf and go shopping whenever you want. So in that sense, we're really lucky and everyone's super grateful for that. So yeah, I'm surprised he didn't just get on the plane for sure. And to that point, it's like the only thing that's going to make his foot and his injuries better at this point, you know, beyond obviously like maybe some physical rehab and therapy and stuff, but it's just resting. So you know, why not do that period while you are in quarantine? Like you're stuck in a room, no better time to just fucking put your foot up in the air and throw some ice on it or whatever. Um, But Kelly, obviously one knows his situation a lot better than we do. We're just speculating. And two, his motives and whatever could be like, uh, we just don't know what's going on in his mind. We know that he obviously still cares about professional surfing or else he wouldn't be doing it at 49 years of age. But it's probably not, you know, the passion probably doesn't burn inside him like it used to when he was 25 or 35 or or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, again, it's it's a bummer. Kelly's not going to be there, but um, we, we wish him the best in his recovery. We hope to see him back by Margaret River. And, I, I mean, he, he still could, especially if they drop events. We haven't heard yet if the WSL is going to drop any events from the CT season, but if they do drop an event or two, he could still be in that top five race. And you'd have to think, you'd have to think that's what he's thinking about. Um, you know, not surfing an event and still making the top five, which starting with a third is so possible. And I really like what you said about him being such a threat still at trestles. I think something that you don't really lose with age is flow. And although trestles is a really high performance wave, it's still on its day a really long wave and he could let go of a few big turns for sure and and do really well so uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see i guess moving right along to your east coaster miss caroline marks what a bummer so upset for her that's that's such a shocking thing to have to confront and i'm sure she's um you know shattered um and it's something that you kind of assumed someone would go down with it but yeah, she was, the, she was at this stage the only person that we know of that didn't get on that flight. Yeah, and obviously Stace is alluding to Caroline uh, testing positive for coronavirus. Um, first and foremost, obviously we hope that, you know, she's fine health-wise. I know it's easy to kind of like overlook it because most of the young people that get it, you know, don't face too many negative consequences, but it is still, you know, a pretty serious thing for some people. Like I know just anecdotally a person who's my age and they got it and they said that they felt okay but ever since their brain has been super fuzzy they've their short-term memory is like terrible and they're actually going to see like a neurologist so um yeah i know there's it's easy to joke about and it's easy to be flippant about but like yeah ultimately we just hope first of all she's okay and um yeah and then on the other side it's like okay so it's march 6th right now 
the first event at Newcastle starts on April 1st, and that's more like March 31st in America, so you lose a day. Um, so basically, Caroline, I don't know what the protocol is for how long after a negative test she can like fly, but say she's had it for a week, you know, maybe she could get a negative test in seven days and then fly a couple days later, but I have a feeling the WSL is going to be pretty strict about those things and pretty much like be as cautious as possible so um it's looking maybe unlikely that she'll make it to the first event assuming that the first event starts toward the beginning of the waiting period but um yeah i guess it's just the way of the world right now you know it's it's unfortunate but it happens yeah and that um you know on a, on a lighter note and a, a, a who will be filling her position kind of situation i believe amuro Suzuki did get on the flight so anyone that's sort of injured or, or can't compete for any reason, that, that spot will be filled um, by her, which would be, you know, on a positive note, cool for her because she was the first ever Japanese surfer to qualify. Then we know what happened after that. And then here we are back in 2021 in April and she might actually get a start, which is, yeah, cool for her. Yeah, and we should also note that um, Mikey Wright has been named as the replacement for Slater at at least the first two events. Um, so it, I mean, I would say it's pretty likely that Mikey one way or another ends up surfing all the events this year, um, which I think is deserved. It was, you know, between him and Leo, obviously at pipe, it was unfortunate that either of them had to lose out. It was, I think very unfortunate that Mikey had to lose out. Uh, so it'll be good to see him back where he deserves to be a hundred percent. And I think he could easily be a top 10, maybe if he goes huge, especially at like Margs and wherever maybe could push into that top five he's just such a wild talent so yeah For sure now okay back to the flight i want to play a little game with you i'm scared um, we learned the price list for each section of the flight basically what a person would have to pay to sit in economy premium economy and business on the wsl's flight um and I want to go through a list of surfers and I want you to tell me which category you think that they're, they're going into. Sure. Okay? sure. So business is $6,000 ahead. And remember, these are one way numbers. Um, all the surfers are going to have to find their own ways home. So this is just the flight to Australia. They pay separately for the hotel quarantine. So for the 15 hour flight from LAX to Sydney, Business is six thousand. Premium economy is four thousand, and economy is twenty five hundred. Um, and keep in mind too that most of these surfers are probably traveling with at least some sort of partner, whether that's a spouse or a coach or you know a filmer or somebody that they probably don't want to like. I guess it depends on who you are, but some people would feel like, oh no, I'm not going to make my my wife or my filmer, whoever goes sit in economy while I'm sitting in business. Filmers are definitely lucky to even get an economy seat, mate. So yeah, that's not, it's more wives. It's let's go with wives or husbands. <laughs> yep. Okay. So I'm going to go through the list and you tell me whether they're business premium or just economy. All right. John Florence. Oh, um, he's just got married and that surely him and his, his partner are up the beak and the rest of the boys are down the back. John travels with a big entourage, but Brandon and Eric, they're down the back for sure. So how do, how do I answer that? Cause you said it does include filmers. So I, no, that's a good answer. Yeah. I think you explained they it split all. it in half, half up the front, half up the back. No one's in primo eco. <laughs> all right. Gabriel Medina. 
the same thing. Just got married. He's up the front for sure. And let's, let's, you know, where's Charlie. Oof, now that's a very interesting <laughs> point. And that is TBC. That's all I'll say about that. TBC. Is that like TBD? The Australian version? Uh, yeah. To be confirmed. Oh, okay. Over here. It's to be determined. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, up the beak. He ain't, you're not getting on, right? You're not walking down the, uh, the sky gate and you're going for a title and you get to the front door and you see John John go left. You're going left as well. You're not, you're not going right. <laughs> it's, it's the mind game. Classic start now. Just you, go in front of him. Yeah. yeah. I'm going in front of you and I'm going left. Are you going left? Okay, good think- for you. And if you turn around and see him going right, you're like, oh, mate, you've already lost. <laughs> Do you think there's like a kind of like this like resentment on the, you know, like the, you know, when you get to the airline, they have like the priority system in terms of boarding. Do you think there's like guys are just rattled like, oh, why is John freaking A1? What's going on here? Okay, I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to speak to that, but I can, I can share, um, uh, you know, say for example, um, you know, you're doing as much flying, you know, a coach, for instance, you know, you're doing as much flying as the, as the athlete, whatever they're flying, you, you, you are accrediting or sorry, accumulating like a serious amount of frequent flyer points. So you do eventually have a, a, a priority boarding status or whatever, even though you might not be flying business. And so for someone like myself, the amount of foul looks that you get at the airport, when someone is looking at you, just, you can't even believe that this kid is in the business class line and you're just like, what? Like, <laughs> I'm going to use this lane because I can. And it is just, I couldn't imagine what it's like at the top, top level when you're talking about the difference between first and business and all that shit. So hundred percent, there is yeah. definitely resentment. I've, I've, I've copped it and I, I don't even fly business, but I can, you know, get extra luggage and shit like that, that, you know, just, it just comes with the, you know, flying so much, but the people, the stink eye that you get in airports is, and blow ups as well, like proper blow ups. You're not <laughs> next. I'm like, Hey, I don't make the rules. <laughs> that's amazing and speaking of frequent flyer miles that brings us to our next person and keep in mind that obviously this is totally separate from frequent flyer anything like th- this is basically the wsl set this up it's it, obviously they're using an airline but it's not like the airline's rules apply so you can't just like put your voucher toward anything they're using the big so, they're using the big red kangaroo it's a Qantas flight yeah so here's my next person bad boy rai rai if he was coming he would have found a way to get up the front. I don't care whose plane it was. He's up the front. He don't fly up the back. He, he flies up the back once a year, and it's not this flight. He's up the front. And so it, you think he's dropping? He's dropping ten Tesla stocks on this thing. No, he's not even dropping anything. He would have got it for fifteen hundred bucks. He would have laughed at that list price and just gone, you know what? I've got a way around this. And uh, if anyone who doesn't know who we're talking about, it's Ryan Miller. He's I don't really know what to describe him as photographer for the WSL, even though that would be not really his business title. He takes more photos than anyone at any of the events. So he can have that title and his Instagram is just hilarious. It's bad boy. Right. Right. Go get him, go get around him. Yeah. I mean, I think technically he is now a surf photographer just as like a passion project. He's actually a stock mogul is his main occupation at this point. It always has been. It's just finally making him some money, a lot of money. All right, so we figured out the CT. Now let's talk about the qualifying series, which just had a secret 
long leg in Australia that I was almost borderline um, completely unaware of, but I just did some research and I know you've been on it. Um, so give us a little rundown of what's going on over there. I've more been on it from the fact that this could potentially be the last event that Australia runs as a QS in their regional season. That regional season ends on June the 30. No other region at this point has run a QS. And if they don't, they'll be relying on whatever QSs they did in the start of 2020 to get their rankings for the upcoming challenger series. It's looking highly likely that Australia will have one more QS event. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but I've been been told that there'll be a, a, a solid chance of that happening. Obviously anything can happen, but they are working hard to get one more event in. And if you're in the men and you want to qualify for the challenger series, you've got to get in the top 10. And if you're in the women, you've got to be in the top eight. Um, Matt Banting was already in the lead given his second place at the Manly Australian Open in March 2020. And he just won a Voca today. So he's in. Matt, can we just have a moment of silence for Matt Banting's absolute undeniable prowess on Australian East Coast beach breaks? Like, he's just... If, if the CT existed solely on Australian East Coast beach breaks, it would be between him and maybe Felipe Toledo for the world title every single year. Yeah. He's next level. And it's just so awesome to see him back to full strength and, and better than how he was surfing even before he got injured, I reckon. He looks he looks unbelievable. And the injury that he got diagnosed with was like a a football player's injury that it that's career ending. It's a really bad uh, hip injury and, and yeah, so to see him where he's at is incredible and for sure. Top top of the class when it comes to a three foot offshore East Coast Australian beach break. <laughs> All right, so uh, I see Liam O'Brien is next on the list. Um, Unfortunately, Al Hunt and the boys haven't updated the ratings just yet, so it is going to change a little bit. Jacob Wilcox just got second, so he's going to—he uh, was already in ninth, so he's already going to uh, you know shoot up the ratings a lot. Um, but yeah, then in that mix, you've got crew like um, Liam O'Brien and Mitch Cruz, who everyone's heard a bit of. Um, and then you've got some um, some sort of unknowns. Young bloke, Dylan Moffat from Narrabeen, he's doing really well. And then uh, the Kiwi, Billy Stammen, he's kind of rounding out the top 10. He's sort of in 14th at the moment, but there's like Julian, Ryan, a few other CT guys in that top 10 who I can't remember that are going to, you know, you'd think double qualify. So it'll probably go down to kind of 12 to 13 for that regional series to, to make it in. And Reef Hazelwood as well had a pretty good run these last couple of events, and I think he's shot himself way up the rankings as well, which is cool. Yeah, I like him. for sure. Yeah, he's done really good. And and another surfer who'd done really well in the past two has done well again, and that's Jordy Lawler. He got two seconds, but they're in the lower-rated events, so he'll need to do a little bit more to secure a spot, but he's been fairly consistent as well. So I think probably more than anything, all the, the boys and girls are frothing to, to put the rashy back on. Molly Picklam who's from Avoca, won the QS there today, which is awesome for her. She's surfing amazing. She had to beat a few few CT surfers on her way to that victory. So, yeah, I think that everyone's kind of just stoked. But I think the most interesting point is, like, 
Australia has been so lucky to have these events and, and give people kind of something to aim towards. And, you know, the, and we should just re clarify as well, like how the QS works this year. Um, just for anybody that, you know, forgot, I kind of did. Uh, so basically each region is going to have its own QS events, which are, I think like 3000 points and below basically. So uh, yeah, 5,000. Like, 5,000 below. Okay, so it's like Australia, um, New Zealand zone, it's Asia, it's North America. Are North America and South America together? Like, is it the America? I'd imagine that'd be separate. They have been in the past. Okay. And then probably Europe and maybe Hawaii, Tahiti zones as well. Um, And basically those events were meant to happen in the first half of the calendar year. And then the top x amount of surfers from each region would then qualify for the challenger series which would take place in the second half of the calendar year and the surfers who are top 10 or top 7 or whatever it is from the challenger series at the end of that come november december after you know holly even sunset those surfers would qualify for the championship tour so the qs the the thing that's called the qs right now is actually like the third tier it's no longer like the step to the CT. It's like QS Challenger Series CT. So these events are only qualifying surfers for the Challenger Series. Exactly. So let's have another minute silence for Matt Banting, who was absolutely crushing the original QS, which was the step up to the CT in 2020 and would have no doubt qualified, now has to fight his way through. But hey, that's that's all good. That's just what you've got to do. But one more minute of silence for Matt Banting. <laughs> While we're on that, who's the best surfer to never qualify in your eyes? Oh, okay. Do they have to have like tried to qualify? Yeah, I think so. Like when we had Snake. It can't be Margot. Well, he did try and he wasn't very good at it. And he didn't like it. Well, then Margot's the best surfer to never qualify. For sure. That's a good answer. And like Clay Marzo, I think is like pretty widely... Mm. agreed upon that he was super talent but i don't know that clay ever tried he did qs events okay i know he did world juniors and stuff but i thought maybe by that point he just had a gutty and and peeled out um yeah that's interesting he definitely had had a bit of i think i mean i think quicksilver just was like this is what you do (laughs) go surf the qs and he was like "Uh, i have to i I remember a video of him surfing like steamer lane just looking the most miserable (laughs) um so yeah yeah margo and clay marzo probably the two best surfers to never qualify yeah um do you think there's somebody on the qs right now who hasn't been on tour yet who is genuinely like interests you seems like somebody that could have like a chance at a world title in years to come. I was having this conversation with um, a good friend of mine today about Molly Picklum and she's definitely one who will make an impact for sure. And I think you could say the same thing about like a Liam O'Brien, but to genuinely have a run at a world title, it is another planet. So I'm not going to stick my neck out and say that anyone is going to, I think it's one thing to qualify and that's one thing to be having a run at a world title. I think a lot of these events get run and everyone and rightly so they get excited by this young talent that comes through, but gee whiz, it is such another level when you see a CT surfer, you know, 
hit their strap, like a top five CT surfer in both the, the men and the women. It's like, um, you know, another dimension. So at this point, I'm not too sure about anyone running for a world title that's on the QS right now. Of course, that's what it's there for. People blossom, but uh, I wouldn't be able to narrow it down for you right now. Yeah. As far as like just talent that I see just by observing surfing, you know, from whatever 10,000 feet, just Instagram and obviously working for Stab, we watch a lot of surfing. Um, I would say talent wise, I don't know if he wants to do it, but I would say that Jai could potentially get there. Um, but he could also, like, I think we've talked about this for, before, but he could go the route of Margot if he wanted to, cause he kind of has that really similar sort of world, world title, line. like world, world title, the champion of the world. Yeah. Because he, he's proven himself in like sizable cloud break at like 15 or something. And that's like his first time going there. So imagine if he actually put practice in like Mick <laughs> Fanning was terrible at chopes and cloud break before he like decided to go there and actually practice it so nah mf had a can... gnarly backhand from a pretty young age like yeah but he even says that he that i think his results were terrible we can go back and look but like or at least he yeah. made it seem like he was not good at those waves until he went and figured them out yeah um basically i think the raw materials are there for jai he's i mean he doesn't maybe have like the craziest air game but I, the way he turns the surfboard i don't know if it matters that much yeah, I agree. He's right in the top echelon of being able to win a world title without doing a 10-point air. I just don't know in 2021. That is a thing, though. Yeah, you're right. So in that in that case, do you see Ethan Ewing not really having that shot since his air game is probably the weakest part of his surfing? Oh, yeah. I mean, you got me there. It'd be hard. It just it just it just takes a it just takes a, a bit out of your surfing because of the tour's positions so hardly in beach breaks and even the gold coast like snapper is a wave where if you have that in your arsenal it can get you out of trouble and it can set you up in heats you know not actually it's not even a get you out of trouble thing anymore it's just like oh here we go 10 points first wave don't even need to get the jet ski because i did an air off the first section so it look impossible no challenge super challenging yes i just think that like the mick and joel era probably the last eras of getting titles where you didn't need to do a 10 point air. Yeah. I mean, it's like you look at the guys who have won the last many titles and Mm. they're guys who truly excel at at least two of the three main categories. um, Most of them, all three, but yeah, the airs are definitely something that are strong with all those guys. So it's going to be hard to get away from that. Hmm kind of makes me shed a, right. shed a tear but i've kind of stumped myself there <laughs> snookered myself but it's it's sort of you've got to look at the reality of it it's like you know just think about all those highlight moments like gabriel doing a backflip in brazil john john winning the final in brazil like his first one with a big backside air italo getting a tenant snapper mm-hmm. like you know they didn't win those events but they're just the moments in the season that led up to their you know ongoing kind of greatness yeah, I mean, yeah, Italo Diba last year was like, oh. I remember his like third round heat or whatever it was. He, I think he did eight airs and didn't fall once. And it was just like, holy shit. This I, guy's just... I was coaching Ricardo at that point and we just sort of agreed. Oh no. <laughs> we agreed that that was going to happen. And we're like, okay, cool. I said, look, Rick, you can, like, we both had the agreement that 
that's what Lidlow was going to do. So you can go and take every second wave off him and try and do two backside snaps and get sixes. Or you can just come down the beach and try to bang a right. And to Rick's, to Rick's like credit, he actually did. He got one really good one, but Italo had eight sick ones. <laughs> like it was, it was. No, Rick surfed yeah. that heat really well. I went and rewatched that recently. And yeah, like <laughs> it's, it was sad because it was like, this guy literally cannot do anything more on these waves to build his score up. Like he was doing huge turns on mm. bigger waves. Mm. But Italo is just going a thousand miles an hour and just mm. jumping over every section. Yeah, it's just it's a different type of surfing. For totally. Sure. And Gabriel in the heat before that, it was mm. it was unstoppable. Okay, so that sorry, it brings me back to an even more important question than where they're sitting on the plane. What is Italo Ferreira gonna do locked in a room for two weeks? And mind you, having recently just been sponsored by Red Bull. Discuss. Congratulations, Italo, because I didn't think energy drink sponsors sponsored, or particularly Red Bull, sorry, just Red Bull sponsored anyone who prior had an energy drink sponsor, which I know Italo did. Uh, so congratulations on that. Well-deserved, perfect match. Doesn't need the Red Bull, so just don't even open a can. Maybe just look at it and put the sticker on your board. Um, yeah, he's going to be stuffed if he has any of it. Like, it's... The shit makes you do backflips. Yeah, that guy literally does 800 things every single day. Like, he goes, I don't know if you've ever, like, watched one of his, like, vlogs or something, but he literally surfs, like, five times, five different places every single day. He's like the Kai Lenny kind of of the tour in terms of, like, activities that he does and energy levels. And, like, I just, I truly can't imagine what that hotel room is going to look like after two weeks of Italo being inside it he's going to be jacked just like push-ups and sit-ups and backflips. Like he'll be doing flat, flat landing backflips easily by the time he's out. He probably does that already. Actually. I, I want to get somebody down there to film Italo's first surf after two weeks in quarantine. I'm calling 24 airs in the first hour. He'll run straight from hotel quarantine straight into the water. He won't even catch a cab or, or get a car. He'll just run. <laughs> in his jorts. 